everybody. This is Vandrina. And this is Joel. And welcome back to the I Died the Day I Loved You podcast. You just heard Joel's entry, Blowing and Blowing, which was his take on the events leading up to our breakup after a year and a couple of months of being a couple. So uh, now we're going to get his take. Last week we were talking about how the disrespect and ultimately racism of his immediate family led to our first of a few breakups and so now we're gonna get more of Joel's take on it and and where his mindset was and I I actually uh, do want to just jump right in and get started I do have a question I don't know if I've ever asked it Um, you asked my mom if you could come over and talk to me before work and I think I had asked you before, were you going to come over and break up with me? And you said, no. Then first question, what did you plan on coming over to do? And if you didn't plan on coming over to break up, how did we end up broken up? So here's the way I think about it. If you can imagine my headspace when I'm making this call, I don't even know what hour, 12 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night or something. I'm reaching out to your mother to say, hey, I have something extraordinarily important to talk about. I need your permission to come over because that's kind of the whole reason we're having this argument in the first place was this lack of respect. Um, I need, I really need to talk to Vangina before she goes to work. Is it something I can do? Um, not sure why you didn't answer the phone uh, when I call, but... Um, I can't remember the details surrounding that part of it, why I didn't just talk to you then on the phone, but it was more important. I had to be in person kind of conversations. Um, when you're trying to figure this out, the, the question in the back of my mind is, how can this work? You really don't want me. You really think I'm a liar. So why are we together? Like, I don't want you to be with a liar. So that was the things I was thinking when I was talking to your mother, Martha. So when she said no, I had to try to convince her that it was important. I tried to explain how serious it was, and she kept saying no. So I was like, this is like breakup serious level conversation. And that's all I said. And she said goodbye, and she hung up on me. And the next thing I know is you're calling me like 30 minutes later crying. And I said, well, we'll talk about it in the morning. So that's what happened. And in the morning, I didn't say two words to you in the morning. Um, you handed me a letter. And it was yeah, extraordinarily I heartfelt. I wrote him a very so, long letter. It's not as bad as Rachel's letter to Ross and friends. It wasn't 18 pages front and back. Instead of in depth. instead of even having the conversation, I decided that we didn't need to have the conversation anymore, and that's what happened. I. But why didn't you fight more? Like with your other exes, like you fought more. Like why... what do you want me to fight for? A liar. I mean, you basically. So what you're saying is, your family thinks this is who I am. And you're not going to change your mind. So I'm going to give you all what you want. And I asked you, do you, will you change your mind? Can you ever trust me? 
He said, no, your mom is a liar and you are a liar. So that's what I had to talk to you about in the morning. That's what I had to come face to face and talk to you about it. And if it was going to be the but end how of would, our how, relationship. But how did you plan on, on convincing me otherwise? I, I did not have a good plan. That's like, why I need to come over and talk to you. That's okay, why it was what? so important like, to to have the conversation and so important to to talk so about. You, it. So you came over basically without a plan. You're like, I'm going to come over. Yeah, I'm not a planned person. You were just going to wing it. Just, I don't know what I'm going to say when I get there. Um, but I'm going to hope for the best. That's basically what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I'm exceedingly bad at planning. I tried planning once. It didn't work. So I've never been a think-before-you-do sort of person. But you understand what... I understood the... In my opinion, this was going to be one of the most important conversations in our relationship. Either it was going to be A or B. Either you're going to change your mind, and I would say whatever it is that I could to try and convince you otherwise, and to try to separate the two. Because I think that it was probably going to be very difficult for me to get you to believe that my mother is a liar or not. I would just try to push more or less on that issue saying something to the effect of I'm not sure if she really said she was sorry under her breath or whatever the case may be she felt like she had apologized and I was there and it was an extraordinarily bad attempt whatever it was that occurred and you know it, it's, it shouldn't be the defining feature of how you judge my character if she lied in this moment and weirdly walked through your house disrespecting you, I could completely understand. But it's not really a good reason to suddenly and utterly call off a relationship. Um, on the flip side, if you want to believe me as a liar, if that is in your heart and your soul, then I can't allow us to be together. It's not okay. Well, I will It's not okay for you to be with a liar. Well, I will say this, my opinion of your mother, like their actions, in my opinion, has not improved. It did not improve. I mean, they show they didn't respect me then. And it, it just got worse over time. And quick sidebar, you still have that letter, don't you? I remember I was like, we were cleaning your car one day and I found it. And you still have it, don't you? Because I, 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 in the letter... I'm not sure where I put it. I think oh, it's it's in our like know. memories box. It's probably in our memories boxes. I've got a yeah. lot of them somewhere. But it it doesn't. I, I'm not going to go into like details or read it or anything because you know it, it's personal and everything. It's almost like a. That's Jim's, a really silly. Feeling. It's almost like Jim's yeah. letter to Pam. I would like to advocate for the uh, listener on that one, but well, maybe go one find day. It. Go. Are you going to get up right maybe now? Maybe we'll get a, a Patreon and make them pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, pay Joel to go find it. <laughs> pay Joel to go find it. Yeah, um, we'll have a GoFundMe. <laughs> but, I mean, okay. it was really personal and it, you know, I went into detail about how I felt about him in that year we had been together. You know, well, let's see. Was it? Yeah, year we had been together, two years we had known each other by this point. I mean, a lot of, like with the, most things, was a lot of life had happened in a short amount of time. Um and yeah, it. 
I honestly, I don't remember what I wrote. I remember when I saw it a couple of years ago and I started getting emotional reading it. I was like, oh, okay, that's enough of that. It's, it's done its part. Um, but yeah, back to what we You have to understand ahead. that from our perspective, being together for only a year and you not really having too many experiences like this moment. Romantic experience. This was our sex. only real argument. Yeah. And it wasn't really an argument. It was, I believe your mother is a liar. And to your credit, to your mom's credit, that's probably an accurate assessment of my mother. And you know what? She had manipulated the situation Which regardless she is of whether a or master not, at. Regardless of whether or not she was having a diabetic episode or not, she could have grabbed a candy bar. We could have gone to any of the nearby gas stations or Walmart or Kroger or oh whatever. Oh my gosh, I live near a CVS. Solve the issue that way. I live near a CVS, like a, a Family Dollar, a, a Dollar General, a Dollar Tree, a Kroger, a Publix, two gas. She could have drove. She's a mom. Moms always have snack. Here's the she, thing. She could have snacked and solved her problem. Tell me this. If she was so anxious. No, no, no. Tell me this. All right. I Like I said. Like I said in the last episode, I never heard your mother mention this diabetic thing before or since. Okay. I don't know. Maybe we you grew up with it. it. Sure, I've told maybe. You many times about I it. never. No, I never saw her mention it. You may have. I don't remember you ever mentioned, but I definitely don't remember her ever saying it. But that being said, if you are a heavy diabetic, wouldn't you have like if you like for instance, people who have nut allergies or are definitely allergic to bees have like an epipen or something in their in their but bag. I think that the other thing happens also, and I've, I've met many diabetics you, who have this problem, and occasionally they fail to bring an apple or a banana or whatever the case may be, and they start having a sugar episode, and that is a very unpredictable situation. But if she was making it seem like it was life or death, and people, and in she my should experience, have solved if the people problem, ha, you know, instead have a of nut allergy, just being anxious, if people have a nut allergy or a, a bee sting allergy, or even if they they have friends who you know they know take drugs they'll have narcan on them or something like she you mean to tell me she didn't eat or drink anything before she left her home so she didn't eat or drink anything before she left Lilburn, drove to decatur to my house and then the restaurant we planned on going to is in downtown atlanta which if we hit traffic could easily be an hour if we had an accident or hit you know traffic or go topside but on average, it's like a 30 to 45 minute drive. You mean to tell me, I mean, and that's the thing. She was like, oh, my blood pressure. Oops, sorry. Uh, my blood sugar is getting low, blah, blah, blah. I didn't make y'all wait like two hours or anything. It was just y'all were here. I was like, oh, okay, well, let me go finish getting ready real quick. And the time she started traipsing through my house, we wouldn't have even been on the interstate yet. We wouldn't have even been at the restaurant yet. If that were the case, she should have been like, oh, I'm having a diabetic episode. Joel, can you drive me up to the gas? Because you passed by a Kroger and a Chevron and a Texaco and a BP <laughs> to get to my house. She could be like, can you drive me to one of those gas stations that we just passed so I can go grab myself a Coke or something? And we'll be right back. Here's the thing, though. As much as you and I can debate whether or not my mom was being manipulative. She was spying through the house. Or being cruel or anything of that nature. Hag? Like, I think it would be the kind of conversation we would need to have in front of someone who's had a blood sugar episode and can explain their emotional state better 
Because I just feel like, yes, my well, mom was okay. completely and utterly in the let's wrong. Let's say that she doesn't she have... She's definitely being manipulative. Let's say she doesn't have the wherewithal to ask ask someone to drive her. Whatever the case may be. But let, but let's, let's give her the benefit of the doubt and say she doesn't have the wherewithal to ask her son or her other son or her son's friend to drive her less than a mile up to the gas station. Let's just say that. Let's just say that. Why didn't she have the wherewithal to say... Excuse me, do you have a drink, a snack, an apple, something? Why couldn't she just ask? You know your mother. Why does she act like that? So, let's be very clear. About the diabetes, I can't say one way or the other. About her getting up and walking through your house without your permission, when I literally told her not to do that once many weeks before and once right as we pulled into the driveway, and I also explained that, look, they're inviting us in. I don't know. I don't think that they should invite us in, but once we're in the house, just simply stay put. I literally told her that before we went in. So as much as all of that, and your parents reiterated that, we're going upstairs, and while we're upstairs, please remain here in this room. So it's it's not like it wasn't communicated at all. So that part was extraordinarily manipulative. She wasn't a child. She was a grown 50, 60-year-old woman. She's a grown woman who just utterly decided to disrespect your family. And to be fair, it's on a long laundry list of it disrespectful was, moments it was that have happened throughout many. the last 14 years. Yeah. First of And of I don't even know many. if it was the first, but it was definitely one of the top. The first noticeable most one. Most obvious noticeable ones. prior to then... When I came over to your house, I mean, your mom was always sitting in the the chair over in the corner watching television or what have you. And she rarely, if ever, got up, you know. And and that was that. Like, I didn't really, like I, I, I put in my earlier post, there was nothing really to write home about. It was like, oh, and this is this person. But at this moment, they were trying to state their, you know, their dominance. I feel because I can understand that. she was basically trying to get into it with my mom, which they ultimately did get into it. And that'll be, we'll talk about that on the next episode or I think it's an episode or two, but she tried getting to him with my mom and then Michael and Jeff were like, okay, then let's get into it with the dad. And Jessica just kind of sat there now to Jeff watching credit. all this happen. He should have texted it to me instead of telling me in whispers in front of you. But he did not confront Mr. Cotton himself. Because it never happened. Regardless of that. Well, I was watching. I I did see the smoke come out of your dad's mouth. My dad might have smoked and taken a puff and talked. Here's the difference. My dad has never blown smoke in someone's. And if you even think that, again, you're a liar. I'll, I'll call you a liar. I have... Whatever it was, it was not disrespectful. 37 years, I've never, even with people my dad doesn't like, my dad, the one, okay, my parents, not fond of your parents. They did come over to your parents' house for a dinner party once, I believe, and your father was particularly rude, insulting my parents, calling my dad an alcoholic, this, that, and the third, but that's a whole other story. That's for a few years, you know, we'll talk about that (sighs) in later episodes. But my dad doesn't like your dad. When we went to go see, um, uh, what was it, uh, Star Trek, your dad cut in front of my dad at the urinal in the bathroom. My dad got up, went to the bathroom, and then a few minutes later, your dad came up, cut in front of my dad in the urinal. My dad didn't light up a cigar and blow it in his face. 
I mean, that's like a sign of disrespect in like every movie in every Western, you know, is, you know, a, a sign of dominance is, you know, shaving the person with a straight edge razor or, uh, you know, a sign of disrespect is blowing smoke in their face or, or eating an apple very aggressively in their face. That, therefore, I know, especially since my dad doesn't know Michael at this point, he doesn't know Jeff. He doesn't know them from Adam, from Adam's house cat is the term. He doesn't know them at all. Never met them. He's like, for example, my dad still doesn't call Michael the right name. He calls him um, Mark to this day. I've, I've known of Michael's existence since 2007. <laughs> Gone through a lot involving him. And my dad still doesn't know his name. It's like, yeah, Mark, right? No, it's Michael. It's Mike. <laughs> anyway, that's neither here nor there. But this was my first time, my dad's first time meeting them. Because I think we went to New Year's with them uh, a few years later. So my dad, oh no, and Michael wasn't even at New Year's, was he? At Roussan's. Was he there? No, he wasn't there. He, he did his thing with his friends. So yeah, we, he's never met them. Has no opinion about them one way or another. Probably trying to gauge the situation of anything. So he's not going to walk downstairs and go... Yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah, and that definitely did And not that's happen. how Michael and Jeff said it. He walked down the stairs and, and went, told them that and blowed the smoke in our face. No. Sorry if that blew out your ears, by the way, listeners. <laughs> but he did not do that. The most that might have happened is he took a puff, you know, blew it out as he came down the stairs, and there might have been a trail of smoke at the back of his mouth that came out. But yes. that's like when I got in trouble in kindergarten. My teacher, Miss Yasinski, could not stand her. My teacher, y- Miss Yasinski, put me in punishment because sometimes when I talk, spit flies out my mouth. And this kid in my class was like, Vandrina is spitting on me. Like I was walking over and hawking loogies in his face. And I was like, oh, sorry. I spit when I talk. I'm trying to work on that. And she p- punished me by making me go to the toilet and spit in the toilet until I had dry mouth. Oh, my parents, oh, they came up to that school. and I Actually, I don't even remember if she taught at the school the next year. They might have gotten her fired. I don't know. If that were in today's world, oh, she would have been canceled. I don't even know if she's still alive. But, uh, yeah, it was just an honest, like, oops, something came out of my mouth. People spit and it comes out of their mouth. Smokers, sometimes something come out of your mouth. You might be talking while you're having dinner and some food comes out. You might be talking to somebody and you pass gas. Like, I'm not doing this on purpose. Just things come out of orifices sometimes that I can't control. You know, and that's what it was, if at all. But Michael and Jeff were like, oh, no, your dad came down and just blew smoke in our face and ignored us. And your mom was like, I'm being ignored. And I almost passed out because I'm so famished. It's like, oh, please stop. It was definitely like, oh, please. Even to me. Stop. It was ridiculous. And Jeff had absolutely no reason to have any kind of anything, feelings, opinions. You went into a man's house, one that you really don't know. and You, you probably don't never know. Will know. None again. of them have met my parents. Probably never talked to again. They never did. And he was possibly smoking a cigar. So it's, it's so completely beneath any kind of feelings about it. And in addition, Jeff is so rude. He's, he's a very so rude. rude individual. I do not like he him. He gets so angry I got at people a bad for being rude. But vibe about him from Jump Street. He's just very, very. Uh, 
hypocritical on this particular subject. He is a very rude individual. Just he's just not a good person. Just just leaves a bad taste in my mouth and just ugh. But you see, that was a close friend, which I thought he was a friend of yours, but apparently he was more of a friend of Michael's than of yours. A close friend of yours, your brother, your mother, your sister. So at that point, I'm just like, well, this is basically Joel's inner circle with the exception of his dad. Because your dad was like at work or something. Or just at the house because sometimes he didn't like leaving. I'm like, this is Joel's, for lack of a better word, inner circle. Because Z didn't live in the state at that time. I think I he was recall. in New York. I don't know. I don't remember. It's neither here nor there. But it's like, this is your, your, your confidants. Of course I'm going to think, well, this is how, you know, you, you behave like the company you keep. So I'm like, well, if they're going to be liars and manipulators. Enough, and I have always kept extraordinarily bizarre company, and I never acted like this before. That's true. A lot of, well, let me rewind. You, you're more like the friends you have now than the ones you had when we met. You, you you weren't really like Rob Tree. You weren't like that guy who yelled because I had the soy sauce near his board game. Oh, yeah. Pierre. Pierre. You weren't... <laughs> you're not like Pierre. Not like Pierre. You're not like Rob. Um, you're not like Chad. I'm not like my parents in this way. You're not like your parents. You're not like your brother. Like I'm you, not like Jeff in this way. You weren't really like anybody that you hung out with back then. Now, I'm more, not like Chad... I'm I'm probably more like Chad now than I was. Well, I mean, no, because his thing is... A lot is, of his things are His thing is, me. like, he's super into gaming, and you're like... I mean, you're into it, but... I'm into it. But not I'm like he doubt. is. That's true. But you're more like your friends now. You're more like, you know, your groomsmen than you were, like, with them back then. And I don't know why. Because I didn't say stop hanging out with this person. I never Yoko Ono'd the situation. I never said, no, you need to stop. You need to this and the third. I mean, which one? With any of them. Or my parents? I never told you to stop hanging out with anybody that I could think of. Well, okay. We'll get to it later, but there are some very good reasons why I don't hang out with any of these people. But But I never said you can't hang out with them. I never told you that. Primarily, it has nothing to do with what you're saying. It has everything to do with those individuals. What they did. I can tolerate... A lot. I'll, uh, without, I can tolerate a lot. Without <laughs> delving into an episode from season three. When a big thing happened with us, I said, you should still invite them. Yeah. When, when the title for this book and this podcast happened, I was like, you should still invite them. Just under your list, not mine. When a family member was in the process of dying. I was like, you should still go there. I've always still now, been like, I but you... i to talk about this nuance because it wasn't quite precisely this, but I've, I will say this. I've always been like, they're your DNA. But uh, now, now that I've Benjina said that... Benjamin fights for family and for friends so hard. But now that I've said that, if I knew then what I know now, oh, I wouldn't have said it. I've been like, no, they're not coming. Don't say goodbye. Middle finger to all of them. I don't care. Back then it was like, back then it was like, yes, they they share DNA, but now it's like, you don't have to be friends with everybody you share DNA with. And here we are just feeling the book title. <laughs> so it is what it is. Like, this is why I know that 
some people are evil, you know, clearly not involved in my life. But when, so yeah, when that happened, I knew they were lying. And like I said last time, I thought you were going to be like your inner circle, like your mom, like your brother, like your friend, you know, you're going to be manipulative. You're going to be a liar. You're going to not respect my wishes. You know, and I thought, okay, yeah, we've had a good year, you know, of dating, two years of knowing each other, but I wasn't around you 24-7. You know how people can, you watch Dateline and all this stuff, and it's like, I had no idea that they had this secret life. I didn't know what you were like when we hung up the phone, or when you went home and I went home. I didn't know. I didn't know that could have, you know, if you went home and you were acting like them, but then you're around me, and you're like acting in another way and then when you're around them and me it's like I'll just remain quiet to keep the peace you know I didn't know how you were going to be so to I thought you knew I loved my family and I knew you loved your family and I thought you know he's doing what I would do choosing mm-hmm. family over this chick to the family over a relationship he's coming to break up with me it sucks it hurts but he's going to do it and and here's the reality, right? You thought that that might be what I wanted because you love your family and I love mine. If the shoe was on the other foot, I totally would have done it, yeah. And that's why I thought the, what I thought. Not entirely because I felt like you shouldn't be with someone who is a liar because that is true. But also there was this underlying feeling of so if the shoe is on the other foot, how quickly would this relationship be over? And the reality is, there wouldn't even have been any hesitation whatsoever. There would be no letter. There would be no conversation. There would be no argument. If, uh, if her parents had supposedly disrespected me and my parents, and I called her and her parents liars, and I was convinced that they were liars, and then nothing could change my opinion of this. And I was Vandrina. There would be no hesitation. Absolutely. No hesitation. At all. And the hypocrisy of that, you know, it still stings a little bit, because it's part of my philosophy, it's a part of my life. I'm very lucky that I am not you in this regard. I'm very lucky that although I love my family on some level, it's nowhere near what you think about your family. I had to get permission for literally everything yeah. with your family. Yeah. And there's, I had never felt that way about anything. Frankly, I would prefer you not to get my parents' permission for anything because as much as I respect them, I don't care about their opinions when it comes to my own personal life because my life is my life and has nothing to do whatsoever with their opinions. And... You know, a lot of the time, I would prefer to follow my parents' advice as much as I could, but I wanted to make it on my own in, in this way, that I know my parents' major failings, especially, are in relationships and in, in dealing with people, and they're not very good at it. And that has to be something totally separate. Um, yeah, I remember my dad, when he was trying to find you know, his wife, his girlfriend. He called all of the people on the church's phone book to find a lady. And that's how he found my mom. And she gave him a chance and they found each other. But it's just like, 
none of that really spoke to me in my own life. That's not how I wanted it done. I didn't find some person in the phone book and hope and pray. You know, I wanted to have a very good relationship, a good friendship with someone first, and then move through that very slowly. And and that was a part of my, my thinking. And when we came to this moment where I had to think, okay, so how hypocritical is it for us staying together if the shoe was on the other foot? And that was a really big factor in trying to have this conversation in the first place. Because although you would never have hesitated, I wanted to go about on my own. I wanted to come up with a good solution. I, I wanted it to be resolved because I like you, because I love you, because I'm in love with you, because I want to make this relationship work. Because when I told you I love you, it was because I didn't want to win the argument. So you say my mother's a liar. You say I'm a liar. Well, I don't want to win the argument. And that was a really, really tough time to be this kind of person who doesn't want to win. You know, and I know it sounds to you like, well, why wouldn't you want to fight for the relationship? Well, why would I want to fight for someone to be with someone who's a manipulative liar? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's not something that I would want for someone. I would never encourage someone to marry a manipulative liar. I would never tell them that that was okay. Um, I appreciate the honesty of people coming to me if, if they think that that is something that I'm trying to do. That if in my life I'm trying to be with somebody who's like that. And that's not you. And I knew that that wasn't you. And I knew that that's not your parents. And your parents weren't trying to manipulate the situation. I mean, maybe there was a misunderstanding, perhaps. Maybe my mom is a liar. But it had nothing to do with me, and it had nothing to do with us. And I, I felt very strongly that we had to have this kind of conversation. And fascinatingly enough, uh, we really have never had this conversation, not completely. So even though this podcast is pretty much as close as we've ever come to having this conversation, like we did argue, and we did have similar kinds of conversations, and I did explain my feelings about what happened a little bit here and there but there was so much of this uh, sort of very quickly transformed by what your mother said to you um, I don't know if we've told the people who are listening but what, what did your mother say at that moment what uh, so I called and said hey I need your permission she said no uh, Joel just called saying he wanted to come over. I think, I I mean, God, this was so long ago. It was over a decade. I think she was like, I think he's coming over to break up with you. I was like, what? And I just started typing, you know, writing out the letter and crying everything. Because she, she knew everything that had happened. You know, my parents were there. They saw everything that happened with your parents. And, you know, I didn't really talk to my dad about my relationship with you. I talked more so with my mom. And, you know, she was like, I think... I mean, she seemed blindsided as well. Like, I think he wants to come over. And that's why she said no to coming over. Because she didn't want you to come over and break up with me. And then I got to sleep on that. You know, it's like, can I come over? And she just sensed like, oh, he's going to come over and break up with her. No, you can't come over. It was more of a um, a protection mechanism. A, a mother bear sort of thing. Like, hey, you know, I, a lot of stuff's been going on. Can I can't come oh nope 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 it's late at night it's early in the morning and 
I know what you're going to come over and she's going to cry. You're going to break up. No, 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 no. That's how she was portraying it. And she basically said, you know, all the stuff's been going on. And I think he's going to come over and break up. And I was crying and everything. And, you know, then we, you know, I was writing up the letter and crying and everything. And we'll talk more about how my mom is super cheerleader for us and, and what she did. Um, but, you know, when the breakup did happen. But, I mean, like, looking back, like, I, everything I thought about your family, I still do, but it's 10, 20, 30 fold now. And I, I do sit and wonder, as we're on this journey of an interracial relationship, because we've had amazing times. But the bad times that we've had, if I, if I only knew the bad times, would I have fought to get back together with you? And I honestly, I don't, well, if I only knew the bad times, no. If I knew, like, everything that happened between 2015 to mid-2019, no. I wouldn't have. I'd been like, I'm going to go through that because I'm with him? No. You know, even if my brain was like, but there's, like, a good, like, five-year swath. And there's, like, a bad four-year swath, you know. So, I don't know. I... Because, you know, people are like, oh, if you could do it again, would you? And it's like, I'm not going to break it. I mean, I'm in this for the long. I mean, you've proven you your love for me. So I'm not even questioning it now. But if this were 2009 and, you know, future me comes is like, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This character is going to be introduced. This is going to happen, which is going to shake your life to its core. I'm like, no, I don't. Oh, I, I honestly would be like, can I just bypass all that and reconnect with him in like 2020? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I might have just been like, I'll, I'll just reconnect in, in a decade. You know, just, let's let's figure out our lives and then we'll come back together later or something. Hopefully that's not what really happens in life. What? Ho- hopefully we don't get to live in our past lives <laughs> and uh, relive the situation totally different. I mean, it's just a, you know, a, I mean, it was a cautionary tale. Like, it's like that um, college humor video where the guy was like, oh, I wish I could go back to the 90s. And he does. And it's like, now you have to stop 9-11 because you know everything that's going to happen. You know, it's like if it's you like your only goal in life now is to stop 9-11. Welcome <laughs> to the past. Right. Although, you know what? If future me came back to, to, to that time, it was like all this happened. I would sat there and be like, OK, OK. Is there a way to avoid it? And you know what I probably would have done? If I would have known all the information I know now, I don't know if I would have told it to you, but I've been like, we cannot be around your family. We just... And see, you might have been like, why? Because, I mean, yeah, you're not as close to your parents as I am to mine, but you might have been like, no. And I'd be like, I can't tell you why because it'll change the whole space-time continuum. It's a whole thing. But if this relationship is going to work... We cannot be around your family, your immediate family. Like, cousins, sure, they're great. Love Elizabeth. Love Danielle. Love Robert. Or, well, Robert, I don't really know. John, whatever. But it's like, your immediate family, you can't be around. You can't, can't do it. <laughs> the interesting thing, and I'm, I'm sure the listener knows this. Like, I would have agreed because of what Tiara went through. 
-huh. And even though I didn't have any real evidence, I just had her opinion of the situation. And, you know, and she was a 19-year-old girl, so who knows what she was feeling. But I could definitely see very clearly, even when my mom was disrespecting you and even when my dad was disrespecting your dad, I could definitely clearly see in my own heart, in my own mind, that this situation was headed toward a giant old iceberg. And I, I'm very certain that I even spoke to you about this many times with my feelings, like, just let it go yeah like my family should not be as important to you as your family is to you yeah family should not be as important but you know that's neither here nor there yeah but you know don't push and i told my family the opposite i said look ventrina loves family it's very very important to her so all you have to do and i told my dad this very bluntly all you have to do is show up and just keep trying. No matter how many millions of failures, it doesn't matter to me. Just show up and keep trying. And the irony is, neither side listened. <laughs> I kept pushing and they refused to even try. Both sides even didn't close. listen. Isn't that crazy? It's not like and I was that. pushing and they were welcoming. And it's like, oh, and we all fall in. And or it's like really I stopped you. and then they stopped. And so it was just like, Radio silence. We were both just like, nope, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. That really <laughs> shows you. I listen to you. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's funny. That really shows you the difference. <laughs> that we're all hard-headed and stubborn. The yeah. The difference between me and my family is I understood the situation very, very well. <laughs> and I tried very, very hard to get them to understand. And you have no idea how many times I took my parents aside and was like, okay, this is what Bandrina is thinking and feeling and you need to respect that and you need to work toward something that is good and it doesn't matter to me what you do or what you say what matters to me is the end result and I've always felt this way it's very very strong philosophy inside me I don't care how you get there as long as the end result is good relationships are hard they're extraordinarily hard I've had many many relationships and they were very, 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 very hard when you have even the smallest difference in someone that you're thinking about dating or marrying or whatever. And you have these really intense moments, these emotions and things of this nature coming at you from a million miles an hour. Like, it's hard. It is not easy. And even my relationship with God, some days it's the easiest thing on the planet. God tells me he loves me and I can literally hear him and I'm happiest person alive. And some days, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. I feel completely and utterly helpless. And it's, it's not as easy. There are many, many times where I've had to learn the hardest lessons in life. And there are many, many times where I've been given like literal miracles as a, as a gift from God to make our relationship even easier. But that's not every day. And that, that definitely can feel very inconvenient when you expect something so strongly out of someone and they do something differently to completely and utterly blow you away and and make you sad it is unimaginably painful and they were doing this my family my parents were doing this to me and i i to this day i i feel very very responsible 
But at the same token, it was like, okay, so here we have it. Like, you know, I, I know my mother is not a liar from my experience as a child. I know that she's a stand-up kind of person, that she's going to literally fight for me. Literally. I know that she's the kind of person in my life who doesn't lie or manipulate. But I've not seen her in these particular circumstances. And as it turns out, when you're racist, and you also have these mother-son feelings that no woman is good enough, yeah, you fight dirtier and you that, manipulate and you lie and that is definitely what we saw because i don't remember if it was later or in that first year but i remember there was a time when i was over at your house and i was in your room this is speaking to the whole your mother fought for you or whatever um and or you had never seen that side of your mother and i was in your room with your sister and your mom i don't know where you were i don't know why i was in there with them and I feel like I was looking through like an old yearbook or pictures or something. And then we came across a picture of Megan, your ex, who we end up working at the aquarium with. And uh, uh, who's your dating aunt to Christ? Jen? Heather. Heather. Why do I want to say Jennifer? Heather. Um, we came across a picture of her and your mom and your sister were just dogging them like oh this one's trailer trash and this one is this and just saying all these things and part of me was like wow they're saying these things around me that must mean that they accept me but then the other then my logical brain kicked in I was like no if this is what they're saying about them what do they say about you when you're not around you know I was like oh crap <laughs> you know and I, I realized that, that they probably had their own opinion because I mean they dogged Heather, they dogged TR, they dogged Megan, and Joel's had a few girlfriends over the years. And and then I, I was just sitting there looking at I remember then your sister in a sly southern woman sort of way kind of looked at me and was like, well, we would never say those things about you. And I was just like, huh. And I mean, part of me is like, well, what would you say about me? Because, <laughs> I mean, like, they, they said things about TR, but they didn't drop the N-word. They didn't call it the N-word in front of me. But no one I know now they were probably thinking it, you know. I mean, the, the reason relationships are so difficult for parents to understand is that you have a relationship with these people privately a vast majority of the day, a vast majority of the time, and you say to each other things and you experience life with each other in ways that how could your parents understand? And I, I can't wait to one day try to maybe understand that whenever we do become parents. But it's just like in this particular moment, it's very clear that when you don't, when you think to yourself that no one is good enough for your child, another thing that you're thinking is how could they have a relationship under my nose, right? How could they hide their feelings or love or whatever the case may be but the reality is you can't really truly love someone in public it's just not quite the same thing there are so many hidden moments there are so many private moments like when people get together that's what they want when when two people fall in love and they're really early on in their relationship other people just don't exist 
Yeah. Our parents even were questioning that with us sometimes. They were like, when you guys are around us, more it's so like you're, you're in... That was more so your family than my parents. No, I meant your... I meant my parents. Yeah. I meant my father primarily. Yeah. He said, point said blank, that. that when we are around each other... You and I just talk like and we're around in our own him, world. You and I are in our own little world... And nothing else matters. Especially and kind Papa of like, that isn't time. that a good thing? Like, isn't that what you expect? Because I remember he was like, what do you guys, what, what can you still be talking about all these years later? I'm like, we find stuff. Like, that's the thing. Things come up. Questions come up. Like, that one question I asked you, I think it was, oh God, what was it? I think it was last season. And I was like, you've always wanted kids, but you wanted to wait till marriage to have sex. So why didn't you donate your sperm in college to make some extra money? Because then you have the kids, but you don't have to have the sex before marriage. And it was like, that's a question I had never asked you before. You know? So- I, I, bet, I bet the listeners would love to chime in on that one. <laughs> it's so obvious when you really think about it. Part of the reason is, is, do you have kids? Like, what if they put your sperm in a bank somewhere, or it gets caught up in a fire, or... It gets lost and forgot. I mean, do you really have kids at that point? How do you really know? Like, well, depending on the sperm I mean, bank, they, you they can, might have to tell you. I don't know. But like, you. It depends. So what they lie to your face? It's, yeah, we totally use. No, your, like the I guy mean, that we no saw, idea. Maury, like, he's fathered like fifty children. Yeah, or but something. he he showed up in a van. Like, Not a that different. one. That one. There was, was a different guy who did that. We but saw they, that one on like Gogglebox or something out of the UK. Yeah, totally. But I believe that's how it is. Like. These people show up to people's houses in a van and donate their sperm, which is really bizarre. When like, <laughs> you say it like that, it's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely I a little show up creepy. in a van and donate my sperm. And, and, and with the okay, guy on Gogglebox, I think he did it for free. Like, he didn't charge anything. And they had been having such problems with getting pregnant or whatever, so. Oh, Lord. <laughs> he has, he, I think he said of himself that he had, like, super sperm or something. I don't know. It's pretty I silly. I don't even remember what we were talking Sorry about. Sorry <laughs> about this conversation derailing. Yeah, went a off bit. on a tangent. <laughs> but say all that. This is a little tangent. We have a lot to talk about. We still have things, still have to, things talk to talk about. about. There are new things to talk about every day. And, um. We still learn yeah, about each I mean, other. Well, yeah. Uh, if I knew what I know now, I probably, because you and I said that we would stay friends. If we didn't work out as a couple, we would stay friends. And I feel like if, maybe if I knew what I know now, which my parents kind of try to warn me about. But if I knew then what I know now, I might be like, let's just take a break or let's just be friends or let's come back after all this stuff is supposed to happen. Or I would have listened to you when you were like, don't try to be friends with these people or something i don't know just hold back hold back your everything or you know what i might have done actually no i feel a little guilty of because no i know what i would have did you're saying you know no i know what i would have did be seen and not heard or something no 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 i wouldn't have did the speaking when spoken to seen and not heard no i would have taken natasha's advice and moved to new york i would have followed when they started and we'll get into you know, my time at CNN. But when they start moving everything to New York, I probably would have... That might have been a good plan. I would have followed that. But It's I mean, really a shame and, that yeah. the places that you've worked at have been racist, too. Oh, God. I'm a black woman in the South. I mean, the it odds are stacked normal, against me. <laughs> as, 
as a white man, I'm completely clueless. You about didn't this believe thing. it till you saw it with your own eyes. <laughs> you know, and she told me very early on, like people just randomly don't like me, and I don't know why. And it doesn't matter if they're black or white. I've heard literally black women yeah, say some of these peop- some of the most horrible sounding things out loud. Yeah, I'm sure sound some, of those, on a level some of those black women are probably bigoted. listening to this podcast because they couldn't keep their little keyboard warriors away and were writing stuff about me a couple of years ago. So yeah, black. White doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And she told me this and was like, "Well, that's slightly hard to believe, but let's see." But then you saw it with your own eyes, and you're like, "Oh crap!" Manager, and you literally saw I did nothing wrong. Uh, Just random coworker after random coworker, just random people. Random people, people I don't know, people I do know, people I don't know, people I have a passing acquaintance with. Totally out of the blue. I'm not saying "woe is me, play the victim." I'm just saying, "Dang!" It was really surprising. It sucks. And it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. But uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode because I, I don't want people to think I'm wallowing. I'm like, oh, what was me? No, I'm fine with it. I'm, well, yeah. I don't want to say I'm fine with it. It's just like... We can go ugh. talk about the bank some more. <laughs> but uh, the sperm bank, yes. <laughs> Let's go talk about sperm. Okay, Pierce. <laughs> Here's your sperm. Yeah. Uh, if you don't watch Community, that sentence made no sense. Anyway, so we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of the I Died the Day I Loved You podcast. But... Don't feel bad for us for long because next week's episode, we get back together. See, that didn't take yeah, very long, did it? Woohoo! So stay tuned and make sure you tune in for next week's episode. Until then, I'm Vandrina. I'm Joel. And we'll talk to you next time. Yeah, bye. bye.